Hello and welcome to Game On Girl On The Go. This is episode 8, Geeky Endings, and I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. You may know me from Twitter, where I'm known as Doc Liz with two Zs. You may know me from my original Game On Girl podcast. You may know me as one of the geeking moms on Geeking With The Moms, another podcast that you should also check out. Uh, Or you may be new to my voice and to my show. Regardless, I am glad you're here and thanks for listening. I've been with this podcast talking a lot about the gamer types that I found in my dissertation research, Uh, but now and again I've had some ideas that I need to kind of like work through with some pop culture stuff uh, that I just need to talk about and share, and so this is going to be one of those episodes. If you are in any form engaged in geek culture, uh, you know we've had quite a few big endings in the last month or so. Um, We've had uh, Big Bang Theory come to an end. We've had uh, the end of like this phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Endgame. And we've seen the end of Game of Thrones. So I'm going to talk a little bit about each of those today and kind of the impact endings have on us just in general as consumers of stories and how to do a good ending and how some of these endings have been maybe a little less than satisfying and why that ends up being the case. So um, I'm going to start with the one that has like the least impact for me personally to the one that's had the most impact. Uh, So I'm going to start with Big Bang Theory. Now I know Big Bang Theory is a very divisive uh, icon in in geek culture. Um, Not everybody loves it. Uh, I have defended it in the past in terms of it being a sitcom and sitcoms have certain structures that they follow. Uh, that Big Bang Theory very much capitalized on, um, and that they're just sort of supposed to be dumb, and um, that's just part of the genre. Um, I also stopped watching The Big Bang Theory uh, several years ago, um, and not for any particular reason, not out of protest necessarily, just so much as out of I find found it got really tiresome. Uh, Even with how much they managed to change up the story, it just got to the point where I didn't care or want to know about the characters anymore. So I I dropped it about, I don't know, several seasons ago. Um, I've kept up kind of loosely on the story just because I feel it's important to know about uh, cultural touchstones that people have. And for a lot of people, the Big Bang Theory was an introduction to geek theory geek culture and gaming and Dungeons and Dragons and even for some people to video games and like video game culture. So I think it's important to to keep up on what it was saying, Um, but I didn't keep up with the characters anymore. Um, And I think part of that for me, this is going to be a bit of a tangent, has to do with how they treated some of the smarter characters, the smarter female characters. Um, I just got to a point where I couldn't handle some of the things that they were doing. So I dropped it. Um, It still has a lot of cultural resonance. I did read a synopsis of the finale and I found myself getting a little teary-eyed thinking about Sheldon's growth emotionally, which really is, you know, an important part of the story and was what like kept me going was seeing how he had changed. And I was really glad that they did change his 
they didn't change his personality, but that they were able to write him in a way that he did grow enough that he could acknowledge the importance the people in his life had that that was really good so I did get a little choked up reading about it but it wasn't something that I wanted to seek out to watch in any way Um, I'd be curious if any of you are listening of your reactions if you watch the series if you kept up with the series um, and what your thinking or your feeling was on it I read some um, responses from a couple people who listened to the shows who said um, that they really liked it and they really you know appreciated how it ended I haven't seen a lot of people writing about it. I think most people are just kind of done with Big Big Bang Theory. (laughs) Um, But we do have to mark that it did propel uh, geek culture into the mainstream. It really was part of what made um, many of our comic book heroes um, um, more readily accessible to people who didn't really seek out that culture previously. Related to that, we have in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, we have Endgame. Uh, We we recorded an episode of the Geek Embassy Watches talking about Endgame, Uh, so you can check out that on that podcast feed. Um, It's hard to estimate the kind of impact the Marvel Cinematic Universe has had as a whole on pop culture. You know, it's been 11 years. It's 22 movies. It's some major characters, Iron Man, Thor. I mean, these are, you know, giant, giants, <laughs> just giants in, in, in characters, um, in superhero characters. And, and I think um, that the interweaving stories and the epic story arcs and the way that they handled many of the characters really um, made... A huge impact not just on like superhero movies but on culture in general I think a lot of the the you know it's always that what's going on in the time at the time a movie is made impacts a movie or any kind of um, artifact cultural artifact is made uh, the world around it always impacts it and I remember very clearly watching the first Iron Man movie in the theater and being surprised at how the violence sort of bothered me more than it had previously, um, which was a shift for me just in in my own thinking. Um, But that was like, you know, 11 years ago. (laughs) And and it still, I still have a sensitivity to to violence that started to develop, I think, around that time. Um, But it, it really did reflect kind of some of the real world violence happening at the time. And that was one of the things I think that really made it stand out and has made this series of movies resonate so strongly with people. Um, You think about how much has changed since that time, since that first movie. Um, Think about politics, how much has changed in our own personal politics, those of us in the United States and throughout the world. You know, there's so many different things. Really, the brilliance, too, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the way that they were able to interweave the stories. Um, I tell this story about having missed, um, I still haven't watched Captain America Winter Soldier. Um, It's still on my (laughs) list of things to catch up with. I know, uh, please don't at me. I know it is like the best of the Captain America movies from what everybody has told me. 
It's definitely on my list of things to go watch, but I haven't gotten back to it. And going to see the next Avengers movie, not realizing that I really needed to have saw, seen um, uh, Winter Soldier in order to like get the continuity of the story. I didn't realize at that time that the like the Captain America movies and the um, Avengers movies were really so intertwined. You really can't see not not see all of them. And I have not seen all 22 movies. I haven't seen any of the Ant-Man movies. There's some gaping holes kind of in my my MCU um, experience, but that was a lot of movies, and I have a five-year-old. So <laughs> one of the biggest things, though, we do have to give credit to the MCU for is their use of the after-credits scene. Now, you know, it's been 10, it's been 11 years, so you know, we're very much accustomed to sticking around now at the credits to see what came out. And I don't know what exactly, if I knew beforehand, I don't think I did, but I remember staying through the credits of Iron Man and seeing them, you know, mention the Avengers and everything. Um, and um, uh, that really did change, like, movie-going experiences. Like, you think about, um, if you know the history of, like, seeing movies in the theaters before... Alfred Hitchcock's um, Psycho, people would show up at any time. Like, the movies would just run all day. There would be no stopping. There was no, you know, people starting the movies at certain times. You didn't get to the movie at a given time. You just showed up to the movie whenever, and you watched it through. Well, with Psycho, you couldn't do that. Like, Psycho changed movie-going experiences. There were promos of Alfred Hitchcock that they ran, you know, uh, before the movie came out that said, now remember, you have to get to the theater at the time the movie starts in order to be able to let into the movie theater to see it. So, you know, that was a major change that Psycho brought. This is a major change that the MCU is, has brought as well, where I still sat, I still sit through, I always was tend, tended to sit through the credits because I just thought it was respectful, but um, <laughs> I, I still sit through the credits because you, you never know who might put a scene at the end of the, after the end credits. And that is all because of, you know, the impact of the MCU. So, <laughs> so we can't, we can't discount the impact that this, you know, mo these movies have had on our cultural, um, uh, mores, uh, with this, uh, end credits scenes or mid credit scenes, etc. I mean, they just, they, you know, it was really kind of over at the top at the end, but I still loved every minute of it. Um, so lastly, uh, we have Game of Thrones, um, and you can at me on this one, but I'm going to go out and say this is the biggest TV show of all time. Um, it has had like the greatest cultural impact for a TV show for sure. Um, it really did have a larger um, scope in its storytelling, both in how it told the stories and the stories it was telling. Um, part of that was just because of the level of violence in it, because um, it was so... Uh, um, I don't want to say damaging, <laughs> although I know quite a few people who are still mad that um, Ned Stark died in the first season. <laughs> a very good friend of mine who refused to watch the last episode of season one until like season two was done and she finally went back to this, the series because she was so mad at what happened to Ned Stark. Because um, she really thought that Sean Bean was going to be the star of the series and didn't know that, you know, that he died so early on, having, of course, not read the books. Um, so, yes, you can at me on that one if you want to at me on, on this is the biggest TV show of all time. 
Um, for me, I fell in love with the progression of the characters and the plot surprises. Uh, it was one of the first shows I feel, well, not the first shows, but it, it was one of the best example I have in recent times of uh, true sort of character development. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about this other show at the end, but the only other show I feel like that holds to it for me in terms of like how much I related to the characters would be Six Feet Under, which was another HBO show um, that ran for five seasons and ended um, many years ago. I can't even remember. Let's see when the last um, episode of that show was aired in uh, 2005, August of 2005. So that was the last time I felt like there was a show that I had this level of like commitment to the characters to that I felt with Game of Thrones. But the thing that was different about Game of Thrones um, was it was just as much fun to talk about the show and to speculate about what was going to happen or what could happen, especially when they got to the point where they were no longer running on the books, where they no longer had the books to guide them, and it was new material for everybody. Um, I did have a friend, so I watched the first three seasons, I think, three or four seasons, with a friend of mine who had watched, who had read the books, and I specifically remember um, the night of the episode when, um, during the Red Wedding, when, you know, that scene was, was well established, that was in the books, people who read the books knew what was coming, there were lots of reaction videos. I wish my friend would have flipped his phone on and recorded my reaction to the scene because he specifically watched my face <laughs> because he knew exactly what was coming and he didn't even watch the scene he just watched sort of my reaction to it and then I look over at him and he was laughing and I'm like that's just that's just not fair <laughs> um so that that process like that cultural process of having watched it with people um, I've equated this before to like the um, sitting around a campfire and everybody enjoys a story. Um, Game of Thrones really took that place where it was the thing that everybody was talking about. Um, and it, also the, the characters in Game of Thrones were deeply satisfying for us to attach to because I think some of them were so were so flawed <laughs> they were so flawed and, and some of them made difficult decisions and there's some shows where we have flawed characters um who I end up getting frustrated with like um um weed was an example of this um where she just the, the main character just constantly made bad decisions and they just couldn't stand it after a while uh even though i was addicted to the story enough that i had to finish watching it i really got to a point where i'm like okay this is literally the dumbest decision you have made again and again and again why why are you making these decisions i never felt that way with the characters in game of thrones even with kind of the the problems that we saw in the last couple of seasons and some of the rushed storytelling i still never felt like, why are you making these choices and these decisions? So I think that that's one of the reasons why we love Game of Thrones so much. Um, it is deeply satisfying um, to connect to the characters in Game of Thrones. So I'm going to talk a little bit now about why endings are hard. So, um, I mean, you know, it's obvious <laughs> that it's an ending and then endings are often just difficult because it's something ending. 
Um, but to end a TV series, I think, takes a lot of sort of careful consideration. And I think that that's where some of my problems come. Or to, to end a series of any kind, a TV series or like the Marvel Cinematic Universe with, you know, kind of like a TV series because there were so many movies involved. Um, but I want to give a couple of examples of good uh, series finales and then talk back from there. So my all-time favorite season finales, like series finales, are um, from Star Trek The Next Generation, All Good Things, and Six Feet Under, um, Everyone's Waiting. So Star Trek Next Generation um, was really my my first trek I had watched the original series a little bit with my dad but my dad and I really watched Next Generation together and that's where much of my love of of Star Trek comes from Next Generation um and the the finale of um the series really captured and stayed true to the characters it gave them a story that we could dig into that kept with much of the ideology of star trek star trek's always been a very hopeful very optimistic world it continued with that um and we could see the love and appreciation between the characters it stayed true to who they were um, and that really had that kind of impact to bring like seven seasons of this show to a close. The same I felt for Six Feet Under. I still think about the ending scene of Six Feet Under um, just in kind of like general life because it was one of those like it used the symbolism and and tied like all of the characters together with the symbolism the youngest daughter is like driving off into her future to like start her life as an artist and you're watching her on the road and then you're seeing the endings cut in of all the other characters at the same time um parenthood used a, sim a similar ending structure but i felt didn't do it quite as well as six feet under did of course it's the original so you know um, but I still think about it. I still think about the way they, they took that metaphor of her kind of driving off into the sunset and having all of the characters' stories ending at the same time and how they sort of all related to each other. Um, again, stayed very true to the characters, stayed true to the series. Um, and both, and maybe this is more, you know, my personality, but both ended on a high note. They both ended on a you know, this is, you know, going out with, um, with a nice sense of completion and maybe a happy ending of sorts. Um, so I was really surprised in looking at these three endings. So we have um, Big Bang Theory, Endgame, and Game of Thrones. And uh, let me start with Big Bang Theory, so I'll go in order that I talked about them. I didn't watch the final episode of <coughs> Big Bang Theory. As I said, I had stopped watching it several years ago, and I didn't feel the need to go back and watch this season. Um, I'm having trouble turning my pages here. Um, so I did read a synopsis of what happened at the end and that like sort of the conclusion, the final episode. Um, and I was really moved by it, um, just in the way that they, they were able to continue with Sheldon's emotional growth. And I think that that was really important, um, and really good that they, that they didn't stick him in, um, he could have very easily become a cardboard character who didn't ever display any emotional growth. And that would have been a disservice to him and to Jim Parsons who plays him because, you know, come on, he's great. 
So, um, and I'm only a really a little sad to see Big Bang Theory end because uh, Will Wheaton enjoyed being on it so much. Um, and as if any of you have listened to any of the other shows, you know that um, I am a huge fan of Will Wheaton. Uh, Wesley was my first crush. Um, posters on my wall, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I got to meet him at one point and he sent me a congratulatory a congratulatory email when I finished my dissertation. So like, he's just a cool guy and he really enjoyed the time he spent on that set. And I will be sad not seeing his behind the scenes uh, things from it anymore, um, which goes beyond what the show stands for um, itself. Um, so with Endgame, I was super surprised with my, my reaction to Endgame. Um, I, I watched it the day that we recorded the episode, um, and I watched it like that day, and then we recorded that night, <laughs> and I had messaged everybody, and I'm like, whoa, well, that was a thing, and uh, uh, Dante, who's the host of uh, the Geek Embassy Watches, was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this, and I'm like, no, it was good. I cried almost as much as I cried during Lord of the Rings, um, which is saying a lot, or the end of Return of the King for Lord of the Rings, because I cry, I've I always cry a lot. I haven't watched that movie for years because I just can't handle how much I cry when I watch it. Um, and I cried a lot during the end of Endgame. And um, I really felt like they did a good job tying up characters, tying up their stories, and honoring the characters in the way that they ended that series. Um, it, uh, I think a lot of people felt that way as well. I know that there was a lot of celebratory talk um, there were still some things that were problematic, as there's always going to be things that are problematic. Um, but I think overall, Endgame really did serve to end the series well and open up new potentials for what movies are going to kind of come after that. Now to the big one, um, to Game of Thrones. So <laughs> I was definitely dissatisfied with many of the aspects of the ending of Game of Thrones. Um, it felt too rushed to me the last two seasons. Um, they pushed too hard, I feel, to make the characters fit the story ending. So, And it's taken me a while to kind of get to this. I had to think for, it's been a few weeks since the, this, the show ended. We've recorded a couple of other episodes talking about it. And I really have kind of come down to this as my conclusion for it. Um, I feel like they wanted to get to certain places in the narrative in the story and in the plot and they really pushed those last season and a half to get the characters where they wanted them to be and in order to do that they compromised um, the integrity of the character growth they had had I have no issue with Daenerys going crazy I have no issue with her burning King's Landing I, I she was always on the edge she was always like teetering on the madness um, and I can see having kind of the emotional challenge that she had been through in such a short time push her to that end. However, I think we could have seen a lot more between, you know, all of the major events that led to her burning King's Landing down. We could have seen more of that. I could have seen more of her mourning. I could have seen more of her, her interactions. A lot of it was like talked about where they're talking about her not eating and these things. That just that just took away from the power that she had as a character. 
Um, I have no problem with how Cersei ended. I wrote a whole thread on Twitter about this the day after the episode aired, where I really think that the idea of the Red Keep crashing down upon her being symbolic of the patriarchal structure that she supported and she worked within is a beautiful metaphor for her character. I know a lot of people were like, I wanted to see somebody kill her because she was such a villain. And it's like, yeah, she was such a villain. But it really is the structure that she was supporting that crushed her. And I think that that's just absolutely fitting and for her the character I'm on reflection I think they did the biggest disservice to was Jon Snow um, who I was not a like great fan of Jon Snow's throughout the series um uh he just wasn't ever really the guy for me I guess um but he always held true to his values and the only thing that he did in the last season was say, but she's the queen and she's my queen and, you know, I'm going to support her being the queen. And I feel like just maybe it goes back to him bending the knee in the first place. I'm not really sure. You know, maybe it could take it back that far and maybe he shouldn't have sworn allegiance to her, but he did it in order to save humanity. And then everything he did after that was to support her and I feel like that really just didn't hold true to who he was as a character. Um, his ending held true. Like he, you know, he finished her off and that I could also stand behind. But again, the push to move those characters so quickly into that conclusion for, as I said before, what is the biggest TV series of all time, at least right now, maybe it will be unseated at some point, I'm sure. Um, I think... Uh, really did a disservice to him and to all of the character development they had done for him leading up to that. Um, it really, it really is unfortunate. So, um, that's pretty much my reflections now on, on, you know, endings and conclusions and, um, and how, how some of our big sort of geeky franchises have come to an end in the last month or so. No matter how we look at it, endings are hard. Um, it makes sense to have mixed feelings about how and why things end. Um, but I'm really thankful, and we are really lucky and really fortunate to live in a time where when we do want to go back and watch our shows, uh, we don't have to wait for them to be on reruns on TV. <laughs> we don't have to wait for them to be airing live. Uh, we can literally click a button and um, either have your subscription so you can watch your HBO, sh HBO show shows or you can purchase your shows and you can watch them whenever you want to. Um, so we really are lucky that we can go back to our stories, our, our media stories, uh, the way that we can. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that really is a privilege that we have and, and one maybe we need to keep kind of in, in touch with a little bit. Uh, we really are lucky that we can go back and watch and, and enjoy our stories again and again. So what do you think? Uh, if you're listening, um, let me know um, what ending in these three sort of big franchises coming to an end had the mo most impact for you. And I know, please don't yell at me. I know Marvel isn't ending. There's plenty more Marvel stories that are going to be told, but like this phase of Marvel ending. 
Um, let me know what you think. Uh, hit me up at Twitter at DocLiz with two Zs. Um, check out the Geek Embassy for tons of geeky content. Uh, don't miss um, Nicole's podcast, Geeky Thrones Girl, which is also available here on Anchor. Um, she talks in depth about all the different episodes and has a lot of really great content about um, the show and knows the characters in and out um, and knows the story in and out. You, know, you can get a lot out of that. So until next time, game on.